you would open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Back to Genesis. We left off close to the end of Genesis 26. We're going to begin in Genesis 26, verse 34, and read through chapter 27. This is God's word. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and also Basemuth, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed her son, Jacob, the tasty food, and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. 
When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living with these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This is what is known as family drama, okay? Um, How many of you have uh, family? So you know what family drama is. I mean, everybody, if you grow up in a human family, experiences some level of this. Some families, it's a lot more dramatic than others. Some folks, it's a comedy. Some folks, it's an opera. Um, a lot of folks, it's a tragedy. 
but there's family drama that plays out over and over, and it's been going on for a long time. I want you to pause and think for a moment about the fact that this is just one family. This family was surrounded by other families. There were all kinds of other people alive at that time. References made here to those obnoxious Hittites who lived in the area. Um, There were lots of other families, and God doesn't give us all of their family stories. God is giving us this one for a reason. And that is, it is through this family, this dysfunctional family, this bunch of deceitful people, that God is going to bring salvation to humanity. All these other families doing their thing, but the only hope of salvation is coming through this family. And that's why their story is being traced. Now, when we look at their story, we see that it's not because they were a bunch of really righteous folk. In fact, the deceit that takes place here is recorded for us in the chapter immediately after the story of Isaac and Abimelech, where Isaac lied about the fact that he was married to this woman. He was afraid, like his father had been, caused his father to lie. Remember? Abraham lied about his wife, saying, she's my sister, putting her at risk to try and protect himself. Isaac follows in his father's footsteps, lies about his relationship with his wife, endangering her, and doing something that is not okay. Well, in chapter 27, we've got a family that is right at a pivotal point. Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. Even when somebody came up close to him, he couldn't look and see who they were. And so he decided that death must be near. He says, I do not know the day of my death. But clearly, he thought it was coming soon because he had gone to bed to die. When his sons come in, their statement to him is, sit up so that I can give you something to eat. He's lying there waiting to die. I've known people like that. I'm trying not to turn into one. But, I mean, basically, you get old, your body isn't working for you the way it used to, and if I couldn't see... I would probably find that a stationary position was the safest place for me, (laughs) okay? I know you can learn to use a cane or you can get a guide dog. I've got blind friends, okay? But I'm telling you, if it was me and that blindness only arrived late in my life, I can understand why this guy would go to bed. Understand? He just gave up. It's worth noting that he spent probably the last third of his life in bed waiting to die. If I knew I had another third of my life, I think I'd get a cane or a guide dog or both. Okay? But sometimes when we've lost something that 
means a lot to us and is tied to our sense of who we are, you decide that life is over. I can't go on. I don't remember it, but I'm told that that's what I said at age 11 when my dog Snoopy had to be put down. My brother said, how are you doing? I said, I just don't know how I can go on. Well, I did. Okay? I eventually got a dog named Wolf, and he was a lot better than Snoopy. But here's the thing. If you give up, you're wasting your time. Whatever time God has given us, we need to use for his glory. Isaac didn't understand that. He wasn't putting that into practice. So he says to his son Esau, who is his favorite, and who is the elder son? He says to his son Esau, I want you to, I'm an old man, don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat. He did not know that his wife was listening. And she already, we know from the text, already had given preferential treatment to Esau's brother Jacob. Jacob was the one who was close to her. Esau was the one who was close to dad. But how do you think it landed on her ears when instead of his saying, darling, would you please fix me one of those dishes that you make that is so delicious? Instead, he calls his son in and he says, son, you know the way I like my food. Fix me something really delicious like I like. Get me some wild game and cook it the way I like it and bring it to me. And she hears that. I'm just guessing that as part of the family drama, she did not like the fact that Esau's cooking was favored over hers. Got it? I'm just saying. And I say this based on being an old man who is not only married, but has counseled a gazillion couples you better compliment your spouse's cooking. I'll just say that. I I can do that easily because my wife is a fabulous, fabulous cook. But she wasn't always. And even before she had really learned to cook, I learned how to give compliments. You say what you can that's true and positive and encouraging. Just so you know, that's just... Give that to you. Now, his wife hears this, and it isn't just about the food. She was listening because she wanted to be sure that Jacob was favored. Is this just typical of parents that one parent prefers one child and another parent prefers another? Yes. You're not supposed to do that. No. But you're saying it happens almost inevitably? Yes. I love all my kids. I love all my kids. I've got seven children. I love them all. I love all my grandchildren. I've got a dozen and counting. But guess what? Some of them are easier to be around than others. 
just so you know. Furthermore, you may not be the easiest person to be around in your family. And if you feel like, I've been robbed, that one doesn't like me as much as they like that one, quit crying and try and be nice. Just a suggestion. In any case, she gets her son, Jacob, to do something that is absolutely evil. It is wrong. He goes in there, and his concern is not, Mom, I don't think we should do that. That's not ethical. His concern is, what if he finds out? I would then appear to be tricking him. You wouldn't appear to be tricking him. You'd be tricking him. You understand? It would look like I was doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. He says, if he figures out that it's really me, Jacob, he's going to curse me. Again, his concern is not God. His concern is, I might get in trouble. Why do you not do bad stuff? If you were really convinced that you could do it and nobody would find out, would you be inclined to do it? If so, it shows that you are still not seeking to please the Lord. You're trying to protect yourself. You just don't want to get in trouble. He says, I'd end up with a curse instead of a blessing. His mother says, let the curse fall on me. Now do what I say. And he says, yes, ma'am. He's a 40-year-old man. And he's going out to do his mother's bidding, which he knows is not okay, but he's doing it. And he brings in the two goats, and she makes them just the way her husband liked it. I mean, it was, it was what he asked for because she knew how to do that. Do you know how you do that? They're making goats, right? And Esau was going to be making wild game. What is it that gives it that wonderful flavor? Curry, just so you know. So make me some tasty food, just the way I like it. She knows how, she gives it to him, and then she not only puts Esau's clothes, his best clothes, on Jacob. Talk about betrayal. Mama, that was my best outfit. You know, yeah, your brother needed it. Okay, so he gets to wear Esau's best clothes, and she gets the goat skin and puts it on his hands because when they say Esau was a hairy man, they weren't overstating the case. That's an understatement. When his father feels his hands, it's got goat skin on it. Have you ever petted a goat? Okay. They're not just a little bit hairy. They're covered with fur. And he feels Jacob's hand with the goat skin on it, and he says, well, yeah, that's Esau's hand. Okay. But the voice is wrong. Now, I didn't try and do the voices this morning. I don't know if, if Esau spoke like this and... Jacob spoke like this? I don't know. I just know that the father could tell the difference. The father could tell the difference. He says the voice is that of Jacob, but the hands are that of Esau. And, oh, 
the smell of the open field. That's, that's my boy. So, you get this drama. And to me, one of the most tragic verses is what happens in verse 33. In 32, his father asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Verse 33, Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed, he will be blessed. Esau lets out this loud cry. I mean, this is just, I mean, this is really sad. Why? Is Isaac trembling violently because he knows he's been betrayed, he's been deceived. To find out that someone in your family has lied to you, deliberately deceived you, he did it repeatedly, he even brought God into it. How did you have success so quick? The Lord, your God gave me success. That's why I'm back, Dad. God blessed me. There are a lot of people who will try and invoke God in order to try and give themselves credibility. But let me tell you something. It doesn't make a lie the truth. So, Esau begs with tears that he too would be blessed. You only have one blessing? Please bless me. His father answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. What's happening there? Is this just a good guess on the part of his dad? No, this is the Holy Spirit showing the Father what is to come and speaking through him. Speaking through a very flawed Isaac, who was nevertheless God's chosen Interesting thing here. Even though the means whereby Jacob got the blessing were wrong, the means was wrong, okay? He should not have done this this way. God was working out his purpose. If you go back to chapter 25... Take a look at it. Genesis 25, beginning in verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. 
One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So she had given preference not to the firstborn, but to the one that God said was going to end up on top. You know that my wife is really into genealogy. She traces out everybody's ancestry, and it's fascinating, and find all kinds of interesting things about people. Last night, after she had chatted with us in the foyer about some family history and so on, then she went back in the den and watched a television program about genealogy that turns out the actor Ed Norton is related to Julia Roberts. Who, who would have guessed that? Also turns out that Ed Norton is descended from Pocahontas. He had heard that as kind of a family lore, but he thought that's, that's ridiculous, that's wishful thinking. That's like, you know, at least a, a third of the people in America want to claim some kind of Indian ancestry. And in most cases, they're saying it was a Cherokee princess. I don't know how all those Cherokees got to be princesses, but in any case, that's, that's who everybody thinks they're descended from. Uh, but it turns out Ed Norton really is descended from Pocahontas, just so you know. Well, one of the things that comes up over and over in the genealogies is like, why would somebody come across the ocean from Great Britain to this wild land here and try and start a new life? And the answer is because they were not the firstborn son. Okay, the firstborn stayed back and inherited Downton Abbey. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they, they get to stay there and they get the family estate. The secondborn and thirdborn and fifthborn, whatever, they got to go out and try and make a, make a way in the world. Well, that was the expectation going back to primitive times. The firstborn gets at least double what the other sons get. At least double. Sometimes more. Sometimes virtually all. You see that not only in the Old Testament, you see it in the story of the prodigal son. The elder brother feels robbed because a party is being given for the younger brother who got the younger brother's share of the inheritance and went out and squandered the whole thing and then comes back and his dad gives him a party. And his father says to him when he's refusing to go inside, son, you know everything I have is yours. Okay, He's getting everything that's left and it's at least a double share. But here, God chose the younger brother. God chose the younger brother. In this story, we not only see family drama, we see God's sovereignty. What is sovereignty? It means God's rule, God's control over things. God was working out his plan even through bad choices and evil behavior on the part of people. Does that mean God causes people to do bad things? No. God's sovereignty is such that he is never the author of evil, but he is able to take 
even the things that people do that they shouldn't do in order to bring about good. Are there any other examples of that? I don't know how many thousand, but I'll, I'll give you one that you can always go back to to remember this. Jesus dying on the cross. That wasn't just something that God foresaw, it was God's plan. God's plan was that Jesus would die on the cross to pay for our sins. So God made them do that? No, they chose to do that. They chose to do something wicked and God worked it for our salvation. Rebecca behaved in a deceitful manner that was cruel to her husband and cruel to one of her sons. And God was at work. Okay, so how does that affect me? You need to know that God is at work still in your life. And when something happens to you that seems unjust, it may be. But it doesn't mean that God isn't at work. It doesn't mean that God isn't working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. God is working in your life, if you're a child of God, to bless you even through things that happen to you that are evil. So you're saying, God sends evil into my life? No. I'm saying that God doesn't say, oh, oh, oh I wish I could do something. God is doing something. Well, I don't understand that. I don't either. But I know it's true. It's the testimony of God's word, and I've seen it played out over and over in life. Joseph, who we'll learn more about later in the book of Genesis. Joseph was horribly treated by his brothers. It wasn't right what they did, but God used it for good. Not only for Joseph, but for the brothers and their father. And God is still doing that today. Joseph would say to his brothers, and we'll come to it, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God is able to take disaster and bring something beautiful out of it. Our timeline, what we see is so small, God is working on the scale of eternity. Your love for yourself is very patchy. The solution is not for you to just decide, doggone it, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to believe good things about me. I am a good person, and I deserve good things, and, and I'm just going to look in the mirror every morning, and I'm going to say, you're beautiful. Okay? I look in the mirror every morning and I say, you're old. 
But you know what? I know that God loves me. And he doesn't love me because I'm lovable. He loves me because he is love. He doesn't love me because I'm good. He loves me because he's good. I am so grateful that my heavenly father, who knows more about me than I know about me, has chosen to love me. To love me so much that he gave his son to save me. Do you know that? Do you know that about yourself? Have you believed the good news that you are loved by God? Because that's what the gospel is all about. God loved us so much that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him would not be destroyed, but would have eternal life. That's what I want for you, is to trust him. To trust him and realize he's got a plan for you. And it's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us when we didn't love you. Thank you so much for saving us when we couldn't save ourselves. Thank you so much that in Christ Jesus, we see you. Help us to believe the good news, to repent and believe the good news. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.